You are listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with Steve Worsley, the toxic mold expert and your number one source for mold consulting and mitigation in the USA. Let's dive into a brand new episode. Before we get started on this episode, here's a not so short disclaimer. While all attempts have been made to verify the content provided in this podcast, neither the podcaster or the producers assume any responsibility for errors, omissions, or alternative interpretations of the issues discussed here. All information stated in this podcast is the opinion of Steve Worsley. Steve Worsley is a mold specialist with over 25 years of experience in the construction and mold industry. The Toxic Mold Podcast is for information sharing purposes only. The views expressed are those of the podcaster and his alone. These views should not be taken as expert instruction or commands. While there may be references to medical conditions and symptoms, all podcast episodes are the opinion of Steve Worsley and any medical questions or concerns shall be addressed with the appropriate licensed medical professional or professionals. As the podcaster refers to different mold types, please be aware that Steve Worsley is not a microbiologist and questions concerning mold specifics should be answered by the appropriate professional. Steve isn't, nor does he offer any legal advice. For any legal advice, you must speak with a lawyer. The listener is 100% responsible for his or her own actions. You can check out Steve's books on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and search for author Steve Worsley. You can also take Steve's courses on Udemy or Skillshare, and you can find out more about those at cnccontractorservices.com. Now, let's get to the episode. Hello, you're listening to the Toxic Mold Podcast with myself, Steve Worsley. Today, we are on episode 185, Toxic Mold Testing 101. I get asked a lot of times as far as what types of testing should be done. You know, there's a lot of people out there that believe in the different uh, styles of testing, mainly Ermi and Hertzme testing. You know, they think that's a more accurate way than than to just do air testing like we do as professionals. So it's 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 kind of a touchy subject, especially if you're you're dead set on uh, like the Ermi testing. I've done podcasts about it. Matter of fact, it was a two part podcast. It was probably a couple of years ago. So if you wanna if you wanna hear a lot more about the Ermi and Hertzme and how I feel. You can go listen to those, but just to kind of give you a quick recap, I'm not a fan of those. Uh, it's a it's a totally different type of testing. You use um, it's almost dust sampling, and it's a mold index that they only they only cover. I think one of them is five different mold types. The more expensive one, I think it's twenty thirty mold types they report on, and then they just give you a number. And and that number, based on your personal health history, determines whether there's a concern or not. So I'm not a fan of that. The, the big reason why is is because it is just a dust sampling. Um, another reason too is there's really no there's no inspection involved with that. And if you've listened to me long enough or read any of my books or had consultations with me, you know that there's a lot more to the mold discovery process than just a test. Uh, you know, we have to do inspections. There's all sorts of things that should be involved uh, to give us a clear picture. And that's that brings up the subject of something I want to be very clear with all our listeners is you cannot just do mold testing. Let's just say even if you do 
an aerosol cassette test and then you do tape lifts or an army test. You cannot just do that and think that you're going to get to the bottom of your mold concerns. It's it's just like anything else uh, with your health. It's it's complex. We have to have you know more information. A lot of times I compare you know the mold side of things to like what doctors do uh, when you go into an orthopedic. You know, he's going to do an x-ray, and then if he thinks so, he's going to do an MRI, which could lead to surgery. Um, he's going to ask you your your history. You know, did you have an injury? All sorts of things. So my point is, is mold exposure is no different. So don't think that just mold testing is going to get you the answers to, to your concerns. Now, are there things that we could find in mold testing that would throw a red flag up if you only did mold testing? Absolutely. We could, you know, we could look at something and go, hey, there's stachybotrys. For those of you that don't know, stachybotrys is what's commonly referred to as the toxic mold or black mold. Uh, you know, if we found that in an air test or any type of uh, mold test, of course that would be a concern. But at the end of the day, we want to know what caused the moisture intrusion event that led to the mold infestations, and then we need to get to the bottom of fixing that defect, and then we can we can look at taking care of the mold mitigation, and then we can look at your health and your detox side of it. So there's just way too much to that, and I just want I want to be very clear with all our listeners: you cannot just do mold testing and think that you're going to get the answers you need. You you've got to get a mold inspection. And also, you need to get your doctor involved and do the medical side of stuff. One thing I want to cover, too, I hear all the time, mold is natural. Mold, you know, it's always going to be in a home. It's it's just naturally present. That is true. Uh, but what isn't true is mold infestations are not naturally present. So when I hear things like, well, mold's just natural and, you know, our bodies know how to deal with it unless you're allergic, that's not that's not necessarily true as far as mold infestations. So keep that in mind that, you know, mold is naturally present, but mold infestations are not. It's just like your bread. Your bread's not naturally supposed to have mold growing on it. If that is a problem, then you need to address that. Something else um, that I get asked quite often is, when should you do mold testing? And, you know, it, obviously this is all my opinion. There's differing opinions on that. But in my opinion, you obviously would do mold testing if you can't find any visible mold. You've done a mold inspection. Everything seems to be fine. Maybe you've gone to your doctor, you've done mycotoxin testing, and you can see that, that you have mycotoxins in your body, but you can't figure out what's causing that. You would do some mold testing. Circumstances where I would say you don't, and once again, this is just my opinion. Some of you might not agree with this uh opinion on on mold testing but if we find visible mold infestations if let's just say i'm doing a mold inspection or a vpa we see mold we know it's mold i can't call it mold because i'm not a microbiologist so i have to call it a mold-like substance or suspected mold if we see something like that i don't believe it's worth doing testing and the reason why is is when we do mold mitigation we don't care what types of mold spores are present in those infestations or in those, those viable colonies, or it could be non-viable. It doesn't matter. Our mold mitigation process is the same way whether it's Stachybotrys or if it's Aspergillus, Penicillium, Clodosporium. We don't care 
what mold types are present if mitigation needs to be performed. So I'm I'm very clear, especially you know with VPAs and with clients in in Utah and Wyoming, if we're doing a mold inspection and we find visible mold, I recommend no testing. Now, obviously, we would do testing after mitigation is done, but prior to mitigation, I don't I don't feel that that it's it's necessary. So, to answer a question that many of you always ask or I get asked quite often is is you know why don't you test if there's mold? That's why we don't. We don't really care what mold types are present. I'm not saying you can't. There are situations where we know it's mold. Let's just say maybe you're a renter and you have to do your due diligence and prove to the owner or the landlords that it is in fact mold. Because once again, we can't do a mold inspection or VPA. We can know we we know for sure it's mold. We can see the water stains. We can see it's it's a viable active colony. It's nice and fuzzy and white and green and all sorts of colors. We cannot technically call it mold until we take a sample of that and send it to a lab. So just to be clear, I understand there are circumstances where you do need to do mold testing if you see a mold infestation. Beyond all that, um, one of the things I wanted to to talk to you about, and I kind of I started with it a little bit with the Ermi Hurts Me versus air testing. What types of, of testing methods do we have out there available for us professionals and for anybody? Um, there are four, and when I go over these, I'm not including ERMI or Hertz Me testing, but there are four different types of testing th that we do. And when I say we, I'll speak for myself and my company. CNC Contractor Services does things a lot different than other companies. So, you know, we're we're accused of being a lot more aggressive, but we are very thorough and make sure that, you know, what we're doing, we have reasons and the experience behind us to say, hey, this is why we're going to do things the way we're doing them. So anyhow, there's four different types. So when we talk about those four types, we have an air test, which we do with aerosol cassettes. Um, there's different cassettes you can use, but those are just what, what our company uses. There's a swab. So the swab is literally, and it actually is the same thing that, that the hospitals or doctor's offices use. It's just a long Q-tip that's used for uh, strep throat. It's the same thing. Like I said, it's the same exact medical grade cotton swabs. I even want to say Q-tips, but cotton swabs that, that we get. What you do with that, you just roll it over the substance that you think is mold. That's not preferred. Um, our labs don't like that because it's easy to contaminate that sample. And when I say contaminate it, it's just too much mold on that little Q-tip for the lab technicians to read. So it's just it's just easier for us not to use them. Um, so then the third one would be a tape lift, which is very similar to a swab sample. A tape lift is literally like previous to you know doing it with slides in the more expensive way. Mold inspectors actually would use a piece of scotch tape. You literally just press that on the mold-like substances and then you'd send it off to the lab and they'd tell you what kind of mold types are present. Those are actually what we prefer to do versus a swab sample. And then our last testing type is what's called a bulk sample. So what a bulk sample is, is it's literally, let's just say, um, and I, I, I actually will talk a little bit more about this later, but I just finished my book, uh, Inside Toxic Mold. It's my case studies book that I just finished up. It should be, it's actually available, but it'll be available um, after my edits here in a couple of weeks. But anyhow, we talk about a case scenario in there where I actually took a bulk sample of hay. It's kind of a unique story. A client 
the husband was having breathing issues. They, they ruled out COVID. Anyhow, we went down the road of during a mold inspection, there was some hay that they thought maybe after he had moved it, that maybe there was something going on with the hay. We had to rule out farmers along and all sorts of stuff. But anyhow, we, we took an actual bulk sample of the hay. So we took the hay, we actually put it in a little Ziploc bag. We sent that off to the lab. So that's what a bulk sample is. So, so to just kind of cover that again, a bulk sample is an actual piece of material, debris, w- whatever you want to call it, that we take from from the building and we actually put it, you know, in a Ziploc bag and we send it off to the lab. You could also, you know, it could be we just cut out a little piece of sheetrock. It could be a piece of insulation. But for the most part, that's what bulk means. So here's the four again. We have air, swab, tape lift, and a bulk sample. Most common ones that we always use is, or my preferred method, is actually an air sample in conjunction with a tape lift. And you might ask, so why would we do that? So to kind of cover a little bit deeper into air testing, when we do air testing, we always run a baseline, a control sample. Everybody has different terms they want to use. But we run a sample outside. And the reason we do that is because we want to know where you live, because depending on where you live throughout the world, you're going to have different common molds on the outside. So we run that test outside so that we know what mold types are are commonly present in that area. And then we also run a minimum of one inside. That inside sample could be anywhere. I want to be clear, though, with air sampling, and this is kind of why the whole um, dusting the ERMI method I don't agree with, When we do any of our sampling, any, so if it's tape lift, swab, or air, we only do one test in one spot, one room. So we're not going to take that air sample or the aerosol cassette. We're not going to start running that cassette in your living room and then walk to other rooms. And that cassette, just to kind of clarify that, I just assume that people understand how how that works. So an aerosol cassette, the way that that's set up is, is we have a low volume air pump um, or low volume pump and it sucks air through a tube, which is attached to that aerosol cassette. It's sucking air through that slide, just like a slide you had in science class. And it's trapping all the mold spores on that slide. That cassette is sent off to a lab. The lab technician breaks open the cassette. They look at the the mold spores under a microscope that are on that slide. Just to cover that, I kind of just assume everybody knows. But anyhow, you never want to use, let's just say, sample number two. Sample number one's outside, sample number two is inside. You never want to start that test in one room and walk to other rooms. That's not, in my opinion, it's, it's a waste of money because if we did that, let's just say we started your air sample in your living room, walked down the hallway, went into the bathroom, went into your um, master bedroom, went into another bedroom, went down to the basement. I mean, you can imagine that we're, we're picking up samples from four or five different rooms. When we get those results back, how do we know which room is of concern? We don't. We can't and we won't run an air sample in more than one room. On the other hand, though, it is very common that we actually run several air tests. So let's just say inside the home, you know, we might run one in the basement. We might run one on your main level. Then we run one on the second level. 
you know, we'll run them in different areas, but it's different cassettes so that we can look at each sample, the lab report, and go, okay, you know, the stachybotrys was from the second level hallway or the second level bedroom. And where those tests are run is up to the inspector. And that brings us back to that's why you should have a home inspector or a mold inspection. Sorry about that. Uh, you want to have a mold inspection done because. Let's say we pick up elevated mold levels and elevated humidity levels in the second level bedroom in the northeast corner of the home. There's water stains on the ceiling. We get that sample back from the lab and it shows a bunch of concerns. We know it came from that room and we also have a reason to believe that there would be concerns because there was water stains and there was high humidity. So that's why we do only one room when we test for air, it's the same with a tape lift. It's the same with a swab. We do not sample numerous pieces of material for one one test. Just keep that in mind. It's it's very important not to, and I believe it's contaminating, that sample by going into separate rooms. You only want to run each sample in one room. I know we covered a lot. Uh, that was quite a bit, actually, um, but it is something that I get asked quite often and and I want to be clear, you know, those that believe an air test is not sufficient, I would agree if you only did air testing, but that's why we do a mold inspection, we do an air test, and we will do typically tape lifts. So there are, you know, other ways that we can say, hey, we tested that bookshelf or that desk or whatever for the heavier spores. So I hope you understood all that. I, I ran through everything quite quickly, but my call to action is this. If you haven't had a mold inspection or a VPA done this year, you need to have one done. It's, in my opinion, every other year you should be doing some sort of mold testing and a mold inspection. So make sure if you haven't had one done, you get that done. Also, I just, I talked about earlier my new book that I just uh, released. It's Inside Toxic Mold. It's a case study book um, from a mold expert's point of view. We talk about... I don't remember for sure, but I believe there's about seven scenarios that we go through and they're different scenarios just to kind of cover different defects that we've come across and also mitigation techniques that we've had to use. So that's available on Amazon. I'm currently trying to get all the post editing done, but I will have it up on Audible. Hopefully, depending on how quick they approve it, I should have it on Audible here in a couple weeks. That is available on Amazon.com. You can just go to Steve Worsley. As far as the author, it'll bring up all my books. And once again, the name of the book is Inside Toxic Mold. Christmas, by the way, is coming. We're about halfway through December. So I hope all of you are doing well and staying safe. Thank you for listening to this episode. Make sure you go to our website at cnccontractorservices.com and sign up for the Mold Investigation Checklist. Again, go to cnccontractorservices.com and get your free Mold Investigation Checklist today. You can also, on cnccontractorservices.com, find out more about Steve's courses and books and consultations. Once again, go to cnccontractorservices.com. <laughs>